Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Fired Up, the hottest sports show in Central Ohio, the show where four sports fans talk sports for the fans. Our topics for this evening are the PGA's finest get-together for the PGA Championship live from Tulsa, Oklahoma. The second leg of the Triple Crown takes place this weekend. Burning rubber this weekend in Texas for the NASCAR All-Star Race. The NFL regular season schedule has been released. Skating into the second round of the NHL playoffs. And finally, we're down to the final four, previewing the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. With that, I give you our assistant chief of our fire brigade, Colton Cow. Thanks, Matt. Uh, we're here on a, on a Thursday uh, Thursday evening back in back in the studio. We took, we took last week off um, due to uh, me being out for work-related purposes. And, uh, yeah, the, the chief is out tonight. Uh, he was he was out uh, the rest of this week, uh, beginning of the week, for, for some training purposes as well with his job. So, we're we're down a man, but we we picked up a, a man in, in the meantime. We uh, want to welcome back to the studio. We got uh, our man Caleb filling in uh, this week, so we want to want to thank him for for joining us. And uh, Caleb, you, you you there? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Welcome, gotcha. welcome back. Thanks for letting me be a recurring guest. Yeah, yeah. We are uh, glad glad to have you back, and uh, appreciate you know you you filling in for us. Of course, anytime, y'all. All right. Well, yeah, like Matt Matt said, we're gonna we're gonna start off with a little bit of little bit of golf golf talk here, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna start with the uh, the PGA Championship going on this this uh, this weekend this week uh, at the um, Southern Hills Country Club in, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, Matt, give me give me your thoughts on this. Yeah, looking at this one, as always, the big story here is obviously Tiger Woods back again for uh, his his second tournament since his big injury and. You, you got to think he's going to he's going to come out even better than last time. He's had some time to really get some conditioning in and, you know, take some extra extra holes. So I don't think he'll wear down quite as quickly as he did last time. So you know, I expect some good things out of him here. I'm, I'm not saying he's going to go out and win, but I do expect him to, you know, again, make the cut and, you know, be a little more competitive this time around. And then obviously the other big storyline here is last year's champion, Phil Mickelson, not in the tournament. He he's uh nobody's really kind of seen or heard from him since he he talked there a while ago and and said some not so great things about the PGA Tour and and all that and uh, he's just kind of kind of been been uh in disguise and out of the way for a while. So I I don't, I don't know when we'll hear from him next or when he'll be back. But you know it it, it kind of stinks not having having last year's champion. But you know somebody new will be crowned this year and yeah. it makes it makes for some exciting golf. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, you know, I, I've had the chance actually uh, to to play this play this golf course uh, when I lived out out there in, in Tulsa. And let me tell you, it's 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 not a it's not an easy one. Um, it, it's a tough it's a tough course, um, and and having to deal with some of the some of the weather conditions. You know, Tulsa seems to be sometimes pretty pretty windy out there, and it looks like you know, looking at the weather forecast, I mean, it's going to be kind of kind of up and down. Um, you know, today perfect perfect day for golf. You know, 90s, no chance of rain, but still pretty, pretty high winds, but you know, Friday it's, it's, it's warm, but 50% chance of rain and, and almost 30 mile an hour winds. Uh, and then you, you go to Saturday and Sunday and we drop below 70 and, and again, you know, very, very high chance of rain and some, some gusty winds. So a little bit of different conditions that the, that the golfers are going to be dealing with yeah. there at the course. And, and I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a tough course, uh, kind of a up and hill, you know, up, up, down kind of roller coaster, uh, you know, approach to, to this course. And, a lot of the greens kind of sit up, kind of elevated, very, very small greens. Um, and so it's just, a, it's a tough one to, to navigate. Um, so we'll see, uh, you know, how, how that plays out. But uh, 
anyways, yeah, th this course, you know, very, very interesting. And, you know, you talk about it, Matt, you know, uh, Tiger being able to play here uh, at this course. And actually last time that the PGA Championship was at this course back mm -hmm. in 2007, Tiger took home, took home the trophy there. And uh, in, in the clubhouse, they have a, uh, you know, a, a big kind of shrine, if you will, of, of, of him winning that back in 2007. And, you know, the, the first round is currently kind of underway, um, obviously. And, and, you know, Tiger started out pretty, pretty hot, but kind of fell apart toward, towards the end, finished uh, four over for, for the day. So, you know, it's going to have to play, play better tomorrow to, to really keep himself in contention, really have a chance to, you know, just make the cut and make it to, you know, the weekend right. to, uh, well, I, I guess now that you mentioned, you know, the, the course being kind of hilly, you know, that may play a factor in it, in his conditioning. I'm sure, mm -hmm. you know, he's not terribly used to going up and down the hills and, and doing all that, but, you know, I, I think this will be a good test for him to see where his body's really at. And, you right. know, I, I, I think he can bounce back again tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. For me, you know, I think uh, looking at this at this golf, uh, you know, looking looking at this weekend or looking here, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a couple of golfers <clears throat> um, that, uh, you know, for, for me, Cam, Cam Smith, um, you know, pretty consistent golfer for, for um, you know, the PGA and. Uh, he's ranked currently fourth in kind of the world golf ranking. So, you know, up there towards the top, just a guy I think that, that can do well on this course that really, you know, approach this course in the right, in the right manner. Um, and at the same time, you know, Rory McIlroy, who actually is currently leading um, five under for after, you know, not everybody has finished up for the day. There's still, you know, several players that have to have to finish up, but he's currently sitting atop that leaderboard at five under after the first round. And it, you know, before this, you know, kicked off, he was one of my golfers, golfers to watch. Yeah. Um, he had pretty, pretty good showing uh, in, in the Masters, kind of quietly made him, you know, made, you know, climbed up the leaderboard there in the Masters and, you know, had a, had a real good shot, uh, you know, towards the end there. But, uh, you know, he's, he's a golfer to, to watch in this one. And uh, just, just, a, you know, I, like I said, a, a tough course to navigate just because of the, the small greens and kind of the, uh, the way the, the conditions are and things like that. But, uh and I think an, uh, another thing that, you know, kind of, you know, was kind of intriguing, I guess, that I saw in an interesting news article was uh, the, the beer prices at, <laughs> at, at this event. Um, you know, I, I saw something where, yeah, a, a single can of beer cost you $19. Oof, I, thought, I thought the draft was bad. Right. Man. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, $19, $19 uh, at the, you know, for one, one can of beer. And, and surprisingly, you know, cocktails, which – you know, take into account or, you know, use, uh, <clears throat> you, you know, you typically have, you know, liquor that, uh, yeah, it's a little bit more expensive. Right. It's just as expensive as beer. It's $19 yeah, as well. You, you might as well go all in on the, on the harder <laughs> yeah. stuff. And, and, and and actually get, get yourself a discount with, uh, with the wine at $13. <laughs> so, it, you know, it, it doesn't really make, make much sense to me, but, uh, you know, to kind of put that in, into perspective, uh, you know, $19, can of beer you know if you want to spend that 19 dollars at, at the masters that would have gotten you you know nine soft drinks could have gotten you nine <laughs> bottles of water four domestic beers three import beers or one domestic beer 12 pimento cheese sandwiches or 19 bags of chips so you know it, it, to put that into perspective i mean masters is obviously one of the bigger you know major tournaments right. in golf but uh yeah th this one if you if you want to drink if you want to you know get that thirsty palate, you know, cleansed, right, it's going to, go. it's, it's going to cost you. So, uh, you know, <laughs> and if you're trying to eat healthy, a salad costs 26 or 22 or 26 bucks. I remember seeing that too. Right. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. 
get it, you know, break out your wallets for for this one, fans. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Kale, we got we got you back. So glad to glad to hear that. Uh, you know, any any thoughts on on you know who you think is going to be good, or you know your thoughts on the on the course? Yeah, no, I think the course is definitely going to be definitely going to be tough for sure, especially with the conditions being so up and down as they're projected to be. But I think there is one golfer that I think we do need to you know kind of keep our eye on. His name's Max Homa. He's ranked okay. currently nineteenth. He hasn't right. really been good at major championships, but he was one of like the young and up and coming talents that people have kind of just been waiting, you know, for him to like explode on the scene. And but he does come off a Wells Fargo championship last week. So mm-hmm. it's it's time for him to really start making some noise, you know, in a major championship. And this would be a time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No no better time to do it than than a than another major and, and at the PGA championship. So We'll, uh, you know, see what happens, you know, over the next next several days. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to some some good golf and interesting to see how how these professionals navigate this course, right. because, uh, yeah, but when I played, it was was not so friendly to me. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see. We'll see how they how it goes. <clears throat> yeah, as a little quick side note there, too, is John Rahm's the fa- I think John Rahm's still the favorite He's after even after today. Right. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't see uh, – I don't know if he's teed off or where he's at in the, in kind of the running uh, currently. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he's always a name that's up there towards the top. I'm always going to be one of the – you know, he's, he's one of the more consistent golfers in, in you know, on the PGA Tour. So, always got to count him in there. So, and, yeah, and obviously – actually uh, him and Scotty Scheffler were, were co-favorites. They both were uh, plus 1,200 to start the, start the tournament. Okay, yeah. So, and obviously, yeah, Scotty Scheffler, number one golfer, you know, in the world right now. So, of course, he's going to be up there towards the top. You know, another guy that just plays pretty consistent, doesn't really matter what the course conditions are. Just always a real solid, can you know, uh, guy that's going to compete at the, at the top. So, yeah. And to piggyback off uh, your Rory comment earlier, Colton, as I was uh, not clearly not <laughs> in the live here, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy to see how uh, Rory's just kind of crashed his career, you know, started off well and then just kind of just came to – hasn't been playing very good golf up until, you know, this past uh, couple of tournaments. But even then, it's like you're kind of waiting for him to kind of get his name back up there and win a major championship. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're, you're spot on with that, you know, yeah. Had a very, you know, good start to his career, you know, was kind of on cloud nine and yeah, has, has come back to earth here. You know, a lot of people were calling him the next, you know, the next Tiger Woods or the guy that was going to, you know, supplant Tiger Woods in the, uh, in the PGA or whatever. But yeah, he's kind of come back down to, down to earth here, but is playing a little bit more consistent golf here as of recently. But yeah, we, we'd like to see, you know, Rory's name there at the top of the leaderboard here and, and take home, take home a major. And I know that would be a huge boost to, to his confidence as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, we're going to move on to then our, our next topic, uh, moving over to the, to the racetrack, the horse racetrack. And uh, we're, we're at the, the second leg here of, of the Triple Crown, um, and that's the 147th running of the Preakness Stakes this weekend. Um, that's going to be uh, Saturday Saturday evening around, you know, 6, six 7 o'clock on, on NBC. And, wow, we talk about uh, the weather in Tulsa being, you know, up and down. This one's going to be a scorcher in, <laughs> in Baltimore, Maryland, 96 degrees Fahrenheit. And, and, you know, very, very little chance of rain. So it's going to be, it's going to be a scorcher. So we're, we're going to see how the horses can hold up to that, hold should, up to that. Should heat. make for a fast track though. That's yeah. a good solid surface for those horses right. running on. 96 right. degrees. That sounds like Florida weather down here. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's uh, I think that's pretty uncommon even for Baltimore at this, at this time. So different, uh, different conditions. So we'll see how the, how the horses hold up to it. But uh, you know, Kel, what, what do you think about this race or, you know, what do you, what do you think about some of the horses that are, that are competing in this one? 
Yeah, uh, the most exciting uh, horse to me is the, the Secret Oath. He's three years old. He's looking to become the seventh filly to win the Preakness Stakes in the 147 year history. Mm-hmm. He's got nine to two. He's got nine to two odds. Um, mm-hmm. And I was also in my research here. Um, Michelle Yu, who's like been really in the in the horse game for a long time, um, she's been super solid with her picks. So if you guys are betting or throwing any sort of money down on the Preakness this week, I would I would look her up. And you know she's been really super solid. Uh, she's picked Animal Kingdom to win it uh, twenty one to one in two thousand eleven, which she was right. In two thousand seven, she picked the Breeders' Cup. Uh, however, you say Woon Hada to win the Philly Mare Turf, and then she also picked Medina Spirit to win the Kentucky Derby last year. So, if you're looking to bet on any of the horses this week, I'd go to her. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's some good some good insight, some good betting insight. You know, we we here at uh, Fired Up, you know, always like to you know throw our throw our names out there, or throw our uh, you know insight onto who puts put some money down. I mean, we haven't had too much success when it comes to horse <laughs> racing, but you know, we always. <laughs> So is the rest of the country. So yeah. you know, yeah, I don't think anybody picked uh, the the Derby winner there at Rich Strike, who was eighty to one. But right. fortunately, you're not going to be stuck with that quandrum of, you know, lightning striking twice because right. uh, you decided to stay home here and not not run here in the Preakness. Right. So you know that that opens the field back up. But I I think a favorite's got to be Epicenter. He mm-hmm. he finished second in the Derby. He mm-hmm. was he was considered a favorite even going into the Derby. You know, and that horse ran like the favorite. He, it was shocking to see Rich Strike win, but Epicenter ran a great, great race as well. And I, I look for it, for him to run another great race here and have a great chance of winning this Preakness with with only nine horses running in the entire race compared to the, I think it was twenty two that yeah. were set out to run there in the Derby. So mm-hmm. you know the size of the race is much smaller here, and right, it, you definitely uh, have a much better chance of trying to hit a trifecta with with nine horses <laughs> than right. twenty two. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, that's a lot less combinations to have to deal with there, but uh, yeah, no, I think uh, it's you know little little numbers game here out here, and um, it's uh, interesting. the The number six post um, has actually won the race seventeen times, uh, which includes last year's winner in, in Rombauer. This year's uh, you know horse that started in the sixth position, Happy Jack, um, and he's got got some long odds thirty thirty to one odds, uh, you know, to win to win that one. So. Might be worth to you know look at and, and potentially you know throw throw some you know small cash small dollar bills on that one to you know potentially have a big big payout. I mean he didn't have didn't have a great showing at the at the Kentucky Derby finished fourteenth in in the race so you know it, it's you know you're taking a risk obviously but uh, you know just just some some stats out there and um, another another stat for you Preakness winners who were bred in Kentucky been a hundred and two of them out of the one hundred and forty seven we got Jeez. we got one hundred and two two winners from, you know, the horse that's been bred in Kentucky and, and pretty much all the horses in the race this year, almost all bred in Kentucky. So, you know, you, you really <laughs> just, you, you yeah, doesn't really, doesn't really, you know, narrow the field down for you. So, you know, you just, you know, maybe, maybe you throw down some, some ones on some longer odds ones, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's going to make for an exciting race. You know, like Matt said, unfortunately, we're not going to get to see the, the Kentucky Derby winner go out there and try to compete for the, for the triple crown. Um, but uh I still think it's going to be going to be exciting because, uh, you know, obviously Epicenter, the clear favorite uh, above everybody else. But I still think it, it's it's kind of a wide open field, even even after after behind him. So, you know, I think it's going to be going to be another exciting two minutes in, in sports and, uh, you know, looking looking forward to how the how the horses hold up in that in that hot, dry environment. So you ever you ever, you ever anybody ever like wondered how you come up with like these these horse names? <laughs> They're all kind of like funny, like Skippy Longstocking. Like, <laughs> yeah. like 
I, I think they I think they do that to to potentially uh, lure people to put money on these yeah. horses. I think to to bet money. I mean, it's not like the horses see the money or you know they don't get a portion of the bets or whatever. But I think that's that's one of those things that they're like, yeah, we'll just make up some obscure you know name that way everybody bets on us kind of thing. So yeah, a lot of times they'll they'll throw the horse's lineage in there if they're mm. a son of something or, or right. bred from somebody. You know that that always seems to find its way in there. But but yeah, no, I feel like it's kind of an ad lib of just yeah. like we got a bunch of names up on a dartboard. And we're just going to throw a dart and whatever it lands on, that's right. what we're going to call our horse. Well, a lot of times it'll be a group of, you know, three or four people that actually own the horse and right. they all kind of throw their two cents in <laughs> right. and you get some crazy, you just crazy get a, long name. Yeah, combobulation of, of, you know, a bunch of words all put together or so. But, uh, yeah, no, that's a that's an interesting one, Caleb. <clears throat> Yeah, take my word for it, folks. Bet on Skippy Longstocking this weekend. <laughs> All right, 20, 20 to one odds. So you know it could be a big payout for you if you. Uh, if it, I'll it throw hits. two on it. If it hits, I'll give you a couple bucks. <laughs> oh, th- thanks. I can go get a couple McDoubles at McDonald's. There you, there you go. go. There you go. All right. Well, moving over to the other racetrack, the the asphalt. We're moving over to NASCAR to talk about the upcoming All Star race that's going to be happening this this weekend on on Sunday at eight o'clock p.m. Eastern time over on FS1. Uh, that that's going to be taking place at uh, Texas Motor Speedway uh, in Fort Worth, Texas. So, Matt, you want to kind of talk about maybe the format, or just talk about maybe some of the drivers, or you know, whatever yeah. going on with this with this All Star race? Yeah, I know I'm kind of the the resident NASCAR expert, if you will. But, uh, like I said, it's being held at Texas Motor Speedway. It's it's not a points race. This is actually just a million dollars on the line for the race winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the drivers who are eligible for the All Star race are drivers who won a points race last season or so far this year, mm-hmm. or they were previously a winner of the all-star race and, and still on a full-time race team, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or they are a previous cup champion and still on a full-time race team. Okay. So that, those are, those are the people kind that are of, eligible to race. Yeah. Um, so right now that, that gives us 20 drivers who have actually qualified to be in the race. A couple of the names that stand out, uh, you got Kyle and Kurt Busch, Ryan Blaney, uh, William Byron, Chase Elliott, mm-hmm. Denny Hamlin, Brad Keselowski, Joey Logano. You know, those are, those are some of the big names. And he had some other guys who kind of snuck in and won a race here or there in the <laughs> right. last year that are right. that are qualified as well. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the format this year is definitely a little different. Yeah. Um, so the format coming into this race, uh, so the, the 20 that had already qualified, they're going to run basically speed laps to see who, who runs the fastest time. So the, the eight drivers with, with the fastest times, mm-hmm. Those guys are going into a second competition. Yeah, it's kind of a bracket-style yeah. elimination tournament so, type so deal. Of the, of the top eight qualifiers in the first round, they'll transfer to a head-to-head elimination bracket. Mm-hmm. And the eight-car elimination bracket features two cars staged side-by-side in their pit stall. And uh, a horn will sound. The uh, the pit crews will come out and ch- do a four-tire four stop. And then the drivers will race out of the pit lane to get back to the start-finish line as fast as they can. Yep. And uh, the, the two teams that do that the fastest will be kind of declared the winner of that. Mm-hmm. And uh, then whoever had the fastest time there will start first, the second fastest second. Yeah. And then in the other, the other uh, eight, yeah, three through eight kind of just go on their, their lap times yep. in, the, in that first, first section. And then uh, to make up the final, there'll be 24 total cars in the, in the race to make up the final four spots. You'll have a uh, a fan a fan vote in, mm-hmm. and then there's also a race for all the guys that aren't already in that are, that are going to race a, a shorter. Yeah, called the All Star Open yep. race. Um, so yeah, and then they they do that in stages, yep. and each person that wins the stage right, advances the to the actual yep. All Star race, if you will. So right. 
Uh, but yeah, no, that's, I think that's, I think I find that pretty interesting that, yeah. that qualifying, you know, kind of the pit crew, you know, because it, it also involves the team into right. the, it's not just, just the driver itself. So I, I like that aspect of, you know, the pit crews getting involved because I think that's, that's something that's important in NASCAR mm-hmm. in a, in a normal race setting of, of who, you know, can do, you know, the best pit crew and who Absolutely. can get their car in and out of the pits the fastest. So I think that that's an interesting element that they added to, to this that wasn't present in the, you know, all-star race pass. So I think it'll be fun to, fun to watch, watch that. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, you know, money, money on the line, you know, yeah, in, in cool the all-star hill. race. So, uh, everybody loves, you know, everybody loves a cool million dollars. Um, so, you know, it, it, it makes it competitive and, and whatnot. So, you know, looking, looking forward to that. Caleb, you got, got any thoughts on it? Yeah, I think when, with, you know, NASCAR adding that in, it's like, I think it draws, a, you know, a lot more eyes, you know, maybe not the person that's, you know, not really necessarily into NASCAR, you know, watches it fairly consistently might, you know, actually tune into that with them, you know, add the, the whole pit crew time and everything into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, that's, that's an interesting element. And I mean, that's, that's been kind of the, you know, the, the rationale of, of NASCAR here recently, they've, they've been trying to draw in, you know, different fans or different fan bases or, you know, different audiences to, to tune into NASCAR. And I think that's continuing to be, you know, found here in this, in this all-star race format of, of trying to switch it up and, and add different elements that make it interesting for not just the, the, you know, diehard NASCAR fans, but, you know, just your average person that may catch a race here and there. And, and I, th- I think they're really trying to remind people that, that NASCAR truly is, it's a team sport. Right. You can't, it's not just because of a driver that makes you win. It's, it's right. a whole team effort. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's a nice, nice, uh, nice uh, interesting element that they're adding to it. So, all right. Well, then we're moving over. Another another miscellaneous topic we got here on the on the slate, and that's uh, moving over to the NFL. Um, I know it's it's the off season, but the NFL never stops. So we're we're here. We're you know the the uh, last week the uh, regular season schedules for all thirty two teams were were announced. So we're gonna kind of go through and, and pick you know maybe some some teams that got got a raw deal, and, and maybe some teams that got you know a, a nice easy ride to maybe the playoffs or you know whatever, um, and then. We're just going to also kind of go through maybe some some games to to highlight over over the you know eighteen weeks that that they play in the uh, in the NFL. So uh, we're going to start off, I guess, uh, with with our winners. So I'll, I'll start off here with with um, you know my winner uh, from from kind of the schedule release. And for me, it's a it's an AFC North team that they had a you know a, a bad showing last year, and that's the uh, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, the only team from the AFC North that didn't make the playoffs last year. So you know. Outside of you know having to face what I think is one of one of the tougher divisions in football with with you know the Ravens, the Browns, the Bengals, and the Steelers, the Ravens you know kind of um, out of conference or out of division games they got a mix of the AFC East and the NFC South, which I think are probably the two weakest divisions or one of the two weakest divisions in in, in football. Um, you know, they're two the the Ravens two toughest games in the first half of their season, the Bills and the and the Buccaneers. Then the second half comes. They got games against Carolina, Jacksonville, and Atlanta. So, I mean, if they can, you know, weather the storm through the kind of the first half of the season, maybe pull out, you know, a couple of wins that they aren't expected to to win. I think the second half really sets them up well to, to make a make a playoff push. So, I, I I expect the Ravens. You know, they they obviously had a had a sour season last year. Had had bigger expectations than how they finished the season. 
I expect them to, you know, do some do some things here and, and get back into the into the playoffs next year. Yeah, not to mention, you know, they'll have two games against the Steelers who are still trying to figure out their quarterback situation. Mm-hmm. Right. You'll have another two games against the Browns who another team still kind still of trying to figure out still their don't quarterback know situation. What's gonna happen there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I wish they'd get this. I wish they'd get that figured out. <laughs> yeah. I think all Browns <laughs> I think all Browns fans are in the same boat there. Uh, All right. I, who who you got is your big winner there. Yeah, look at the schedule. I, I think the biggest winner's got to be the Indianapolis Colts. And, right. and it's mostly due to the fact of the division they play in. You know, they get to play the Jags twice. They get to play the Texans twice. <laughs> you know, th- those games should almost be gimmies for the Colts. Right. And then they also get the NFC East, you know, so they, they, they're playing basically probably the worst conference of the NFC. I mean, the Cowboys were the only team to make the playoffs last year. The, mm-hmm. the rest of them just look lost all season long. Right. I, I think those teams did get a little bit better, but I still think it'll probably be the, the worst of the NFC team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you got some easier games there. And the, the Colts are looking to be pretty competitive this year. They got a great defense back. They got some weapons on offense, and they, they got an upgrade at quarterback. A- added so, Matt Ryan to the yeah, mix. And, I, I, and, and I think having some of these easier games will really help get Ryan adjusted mm-hmm. and, and confident to, right. to really go down that home stretch. I, I, I think, yeah, this sets up great for the Colts. Yeah, and absolutely. They, and they got their two toughest matchups, both at home too, against Kansas City and then the, the, the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So it always helps, you know, being able to play at home. So, um, you know, we'll see what the Colts can do. I mean, they narrowly missed out on the playoffs by losing to that Jacksonville team or losing to one of those, you know, easy opponents of what you, what you thought. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, yeah, I think. Let's definitely have big expectations coming into the season. Caleb, who, who do you got for for your big winner from this? You know, this is I think this is going to come to a shock to a lot of people, but I I'd say the Lions made out pretty easily actually, um, especially if you're a die you know a diehard Lions fan or you know supportive. Um, anything I guess from last year is a dramatic uh, upgrade, but you know they have Chicago twice. That can be a that can be a couple wins for you. They got Jacksonville. They got the mm-hmm. Jets in Seattle. Seems like they don't really know what they're doing. Um, and then they also got the Giants. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, even if it's just incremental progress, I mean, progress is progress. And if you're the Lions, you know, you, you have a potential to win five to, yeah, five to seven games. That's, that's, a, that's a huge improvement, you know, that going forward even. And after, you know, this draft too, they drafted super well. You know, you, you got some building blocks, uh, you know, for your future. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, Lions after – after this draft or, you know, expecting big things. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect them to be, you know, playoff bound or anything like that, but you know, you only win a handful of game, you know, two games, three games last year. And I mean, you can only go up from there, I guess. So I think the lions definitely have more winnable games on their, on their schedule. And, you know, from, from their draft, I think that they're, yeah, expecting, expecting big things this year. So the question for the lions is though, if, if they're not super competitive right away, do they, do they let themselves fall back into the, not, not being a good team, so that way they can get a great draft pick next right. year because we got a lot of really good quarterbacks coming out next year. Mm-hmm. And they, if they're looking toward the future, they may just let themselves not do great. <laughs> yeah, coast, coast yeah, down, right. down memory right. lane. Yeah, and that might ultimately not be a bad idea either. Like you said, Matt, with the quarterback class that we got coming in next year, you know, I think any one of those guys next year uh, are definitely uh, another building block for them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's uh, – coin flip it then on the other side who, who are some teams that maybe got got a got a roll into the end of the deal and Caleb I'll, I'll let you start on this one you're you're a big loser from from kind of the schedule release 
I'm, I'm going to say the Kansas City Chiefs actually, which you know, again may come as a surprise because you know the Chiefs are also very very good as well. But if you look at their schedule, they they're playing a, you know they got a tough division and they do also have some you know tough out of division opponents as well. And you know one of them is you know Cincinnati. If you yep. look at this off season in this draft, Cincinnati had a really good draft, and Cincinnati also addressed their offensive line issue. They went out and got a couple huge uh, big time offensive linemen. And then, you know, they, they play, you know, an in-division rival in the Chargers and who brought in J.C. Jackson over from the Patriots and mm-hmm. they, who also brought in Khalil Mack as well. So now if you're a, if you're a, you're a Chargers fan, say you got Joey Bosa and you have Khalil Mack on that uh, interior line. So you're setting up pretty well um, right. if you're a Chargers. And they also, of course, they play the uh, defending Super Bowl champs, the Saint, or the L.A. Rams, geez, who, yeah. uh, or sorry, the Raiders, the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, and they mm-hmm. who brought in Devontae Adams and Chandler Jones. So uh, I'd say Kansas City kind of, you know, got the got the tough end of the deal here. Yeah, I, I think I have to have to agree with you. My my big losers, the, the Chiefs as well. I mean, not only do they got like you said six games against you know their own division in the in the Chargers, the Raiders, and you know don't sleep on the Broncos either. They they brought in you know Russell Wilson to you know hopefully help them elevate themselves. And to me, I thought that was kind of the final piece that the Broncos had been missing for a while is is bringing in a you know a decent quarterback. So we'll see what happens with that. But uh, you know not only they play you know tough games against their their opponents. But then they're they're kind of non-conference or out out of division play. They got to take on the NFC West, who's you know a, a pretty loaded you know conference with uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, the Seahawks are always you know decent, always have a, have a decent team. I mean they may be maybe down this year, but always a tough game that you you got to take on. Uh, then you got the the San Francisco 49ers, who are always you know tough to play against. So you know I, I think it's just a, a lot of games that they uh, you know a lot a lot of teams and. Not only that, you add in they have to play Cincinnati, they got to play Tampa Bay, they got to play Buffalo, they got to play Tennessee, and they got to play the Colts. So I mean, all those teams projected at least nine and a half wins. So I mean, it, it, those are ten win teams that, that you're going up against. So Chiefs are going to have going to have a tough one. I mean, they lost you know star wide receiver in Tyreek Hill, so we'll see how that how that plays out. If you know what what uh, you know if does that hurt Matt Patrick Mahomes production or you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But they definitely. Looking at it now on paper, it's going to be a tough, tough road for them. So, Matt, Matt, who you got as your big loser? Yeah, for me, looking at this team that got the biggest hose job here was the defending Super Bowl champion, L.A. Rams. Oh. They have 10 games against teams that were in the playoffs last year. Oh, wow. They got to go on the road to San Francisco, Arizona, Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, Green Bay, Kansas wow. City. Oh, wow. I mean, if they can get back to the Super Bowl, they definitely truly have earned it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, they lost – Obviously lost Von Miller on that on that defense, um, so we'll you know see if that how that plays out for them, you know. But uh, obviously still still a solid defensive unit even without without Von Miller. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how the Super Bowl chance. I mean, it's always tough to to repeat and always tough to even just make it back to the playoffs as the Super Bowl champ. And with that schedule, it, it it's it's going to be a daunting task for them. Yeah, and then adding to their their tough schedule. I'll just start a game I'm looking forward to kicks off week one. You got the Bills versus the Rams. Oof. You know, the Bills want to be out to show that they should have won the Super Bowl last year mm-hmm. and that, that they're in it to win it this year. So, I mean, like I said, the Rams just have a have a tough way to go and looks to be an exciting week one matchup with the Bills for, for one of the games I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. Caleb, uh, what, what's some game game or games that you're looking forward to next next season? Oh, one game I'm looking forward to is in the same division as my favorite team, the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking at week five, uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore. Uh, The question is, you know, can Cincinnati get back to the Super Bowl? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, it was kind of, they kind of had a little miracle run there 
Um, and it's just it's hard to get back there as it is. I'll be interested to see if they can pick up where they left off. Uh, they did, like I mentioned earlier, they had a really good draft and a really good offseason, and they addressed the Burrow situation. And then yeah. here's, here's the question, I guess, I, I think maybe not just me, but a lot of people have had it. Are the Ravens all in on Lamar Jackson? Mm-hmm. You know, they just traded away his best receiver. It just seems like, ah, they, you know, they aren't going to – they haven't signed him to, you know, uh, any sort of long-term deal. just seems like, you know, kind of maybe uh, just up in the air with their quarterback situation, in my opinion. Um, yeah. They did have a solid – they did draft really well, but I just I, – I can't get over why they would have traded, you know, Hollywood Brown, their best receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't um, – you know, obviously the Ravens have always been kind of a run-heavy offense, but, you know, obviously last year they were – decimated when it came to injuries at the running back position. I mean, before too long, you know, they were going to have to sign a fan out of the stands. I think when, when they were that, that many running backs down. So, but uh, yeah, it it makes me wonder if that's a little bit why they are comfortable with with letting uh, Hollywood Brown go because they, they know they're getting JK Dobbins back. Mm -hmm. And I I think they lean heavily on the run. They've Mm -hmm. always been a run first team. Mm -hmm. I I think they want to get back to that. And they they know other receivers can kind of step into that role that, because they're, they're not looking for, for the, the big game receiver because mm-hmm. they, they lean so heavily on the run. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we'll see, yeah, how that how that shakes up for, for the Ravens. But, yeah, definitely a big game for them to, you know, see how they stack up this year against, you know, Cincinnati, who was, yeah, a surprise team from, from that AFC North division. So I guess for me, one, one game I'm looking at, and probably not a game that many people are circling on, on, the, on the schedule, and that's uh, week 13, you got Jacksonville going against the Detroit Lions, uh, the two <laughs> – Two top two, you know, top two picks in this past year's draft, you know, going to go, going to go at it. Um, you know, Trayvon Walker for Jacksonville and Aiden Hutchison for, for the Lions. So get to see, you know, both, you know, both defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen get to see, you know, obviously what, what they're made of. I hope, you know, they can stay healthy up until that, you know, it's obviously later in the season. So hopefully both of them are, are healthy and, and we'll see, you know, how they, how they kind of stack up because, you know, kind of was mixed emotions or mixed feelings people with that you know Jacksonville taking Trayvon Walker with the number one pick so we'll see uh you know could potentially be a battle for uh defensive rookie of the year too so it's uh interesting you know late in the season you know those two teams obviously we don't know the records have not been great as of recently but you know individually those players could still have something to something to play for in that in that game so you know looking forward to to that one could could be a battle of the first pick again in next year's draft too yeah could, could be, uh, yeah, deciding who wants to lose the game on purpose, too, to, yeah. to try to keep themselves up towards the top of the draft, too. So yeah. then, I, then I'll give you just two, two more quick, exciting games to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, their, their homecomings of sorts here is that you got week one, the Broncos going to Seattle, or Russell Wilson's returning, returning to Seattle to have his first game, mm-hmm. not as a Seahawk in right. the NFL. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how the fans treat Russell Wilson there yeah. for that game, mm-hmm. and then uh, the other game I'm looking forward to is Week Ten. You got Dallas at Green Bay, the mm-hmm. first time Coach Mike McCarthy's returning to Green Bay, mm-hmm. team he won the Super Bowl with, right. uh, and had him had him in playoff contention. Both these teams should be in playoff contention this come, year. Come come this time, Week Ten. So yeah. yeah, I mean that should be make for another exciting matchup. Absolutely, uh, Caleb. Any other games or? Yeah, I got I got one more for you. Uh, Kansas City and Tampa Bay. It's Week Four. It's a Sunday night game. I think what will be interesting the most is uh, Kansas City life without Tyreek Hill. You know, Tyreek was always you know kind of bailing out uh, Mahomes there quite a while just because he's you know super fast. And you know they did kind of bring in a replacement, Sky Moore, out of Western Michigan in the second round. But I think it will just be be pretty interesting. You know, to see what uh, Mahomes can can do without you know Tyreek Hill bailing him out. 
Yeah, and obviously against a, a quality opponent in, in Tampa Bay. So, All right. Well, we're going to take a quick uh, commercial break, so uh, stay with stay with us, and we'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. We use Podbean to host Fired Up. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly from the app on your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. All right, and we're back. Uh, thanks for sticking with us here. Well, we're going to move it on over to the ice hockey arena, doing a little skating here. We're going to talk about the talk about the NHL playoffs, give a quick quick update on each of the series there. We are now officially into the into the second round, down to uh, eight teams left here competing for Lord Stanley's Cup. So, we'll just kind of move in through through the different matchups here and I guess we'll start with a couple of teams that are actually playing their game twos tonight. And we'll we'll start with that that one uh, the Battle of, of Florida down there. With the uh, Florida Panthers taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning, um, you know, guys, your your thoughts on on Game One so far? The Lightning Lightning took it four four to one in that in that first one. So, uh, you know, obviously Lightning trying to do back to back to back Stanley Cup champs. So, yeah, I'll, I'll kick us off here. I, I got a little bit of kind of about how both teams got here. Florida in the first round, they got here by beating Washington. Uh, they took the series four two. Tampa Bay got here by beating Toronto four three. As Colton said, Tampa Bay took game one of the series here. And uh, during the regular season, these two teams split their regular season schedule of two and two. Mm-hmm. However, they also played three times in the preseason. Mm-hmm. And Tampa won two, two out of those three as well. All right. Uh, like I said, Tampa won game one, four to one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think Tampa's going to be able to take this series. And it's going to be because of the, the goalie play here. Tampa uh-huh. on the season has only given up 228 goals. The Florida giving up 242 on the season. Mm-hmm. Bob's always seems to struggle a little bit in the playoffs, as you saw in the, a 4-1 loss in that right, first right. first game, and and they're already down one nothing tonight. That game's on right now. So. Oh wow, yeah. The, the Panthers never really seemed in it ever at all. Really, the Lightning were kind of in control right from the jump, and you know there's didn't seem like there's hardly any energy in the building for the Panthers. Uh, I think they got really too cute, and you know they forced a lot of plays and. Uh, they never took advantage, also of the power play uh, when it was. Yeah. So, I really, yeah. I really think that I really think the Lightning may, you know, sweep them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, just just kind of piggybacking off that. Yeah, the, the Panthers got to get that power play going. They're O for eighteen in the playoffs oh, so wow. far, and and Jeez. like you said, they went O for three in Game One. You know, the other the other night. So they they have to take advantage of those situations where you know the Lightning are playing a man down, but. You know, it's been a been a problem for them. You know, even in their previous series, so they're they're gonna have to figure that out. And you know, on the flip side, the Lightning went three for six in their play power play opportunities in Game One. So they Huge. they took advantage. You know, that that's the difference right there. And I think you know, like you said, Matt, it, it's also gonna come down to to goalie play. And 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 in my opinion, I, I've talked them up. You know, since we started doing this show, and, that, and that's Andre Vasilevsky from from the Lightning. I mean, the man is just he stops everything. He's yeah. he's a you know a human brick. You know. Uh, billboard that just stops everything in in game one 34 saves in, in his past three games alone he stopped 94 of a possible 99 shots so he, he's 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 just he's everywhere the man does everything for him in, in the goal and I, I think that 
really brings a lot of energy, brings a lot of confidence to that lightning attack on the on the offensive side, knowing that they have a goalie that they can trust, that they can take a, a little bit more risk. They can take a you know try to try to you know take a few more risks to, to score some goals. So, uh, but yeah, I think uh, you know the the Panthers are in real trouble if they they can't get it get it figured out there. So. And obviously, like you said, Matt, down one nothing already early on. It's not looking good for for the Panthers. Um, all right. Well, then we'll move over to the other other game then that is uh, you know took place the the other night, and that was the Colorado Avalanche taking on the uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, game one, Avalanche won three to two in overtime. What you know, kind of a, an exciting exciting one there in, in overtime, and obviously game two later later tonight over on TNT, but. Uh, Fellas, what what's your thoughts kind of on on that game? Yeah, well, I'll take I'll take it from here. The Avalanche just to give you a little uh, some stats here. The Avalanche have uh, sixty seven power play goals, which lead the NHL, mm-hmm. uh, and they're also uh, they're, they have a couple leading scores too. Um, defender uh, Kale McCarr, who has got uh, three goals and seven assists. Mm-hmm. The last ten games, the Avalanche have been you know averaging about three point eight goals here and. Um, so I think it'll, it'll be interesting to see how this uh, series ends up going. Uh, they did take game one. I expect them to go ahead and take game two as well with them being at home. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the stat that jumps out to me, and it's surprising, I think I think St. Louis has to say, man, we're lucky we only lost in overtime because Colorado outshot St. Louis 54 to 25 and, and, and 13 to nothing in overtime. So, you know, it, it's a lucky that the blues were even in this one, but uh, you know, their, their goalie play, you know, we're able to, you know, stop 51 saves on the, on the night. So he was real busy. So I think, you know, the blues are going to have to try to figure out how to keep the Colorado, you know, keep the avalanche out of that, you know, out of that sweet spot there right in front of the goalie to limit those, you know, shot opportunities. But uh you know, the Blues are, are, are taking advantage of their power play opportunities. So far, 9 for 27 on, on the power play, about 33%, you know, converting, which is, you know, towards the top. Obviously, that, that seems like a low number, but but on power plays and in, in, in the NHL, it's pretty pretty high number. You know, a third of their, uh, you know, power play opportunities they're, they're scoring on. So that's going to be something, you know, going forward that obviously, you know, St. Louis is going to have to continue to take advantage of, but going to have to limit the, the number of shot attempts by, by Colorado if they want to stay in this one. Yeah, so looking at this one for me, Colorado, they got here by sweeping Nashville 4-0. St. Louis got here by beating Minnesota 4-2. Like I said, Colorado won game one 3-2. And Colorado took the regular season series here Mm 2-1. Colorado right now definitely looks like the hottest team in hockey. Mm -hmm. But I think this series has a good shot to go the distance. If you look at these two two teams statistically, it's very close. Uh, Mm -hmm. Right now, Colorado on the season has scored 308 goals. St. Louis scored 309 on the season, mm-hmm. and goals given up uh, on the season. Colorado gave up 232. St. Louis only 239. Wow! Yeah, I mean, th- these two teams can go toe to toe with each other, scoring mm-hmm. and defending. Yeah. So I, I I think this series has a good good shot to go the distance. Like game one did go to overtime. It was three mm-hmm. two. Yeah. As close as it comes. So. Right. I think St. Louis can take a couple games here, and, and I, this has the potential to be a seven-game series. All right. Well, moving over then to another game that, that went into overtime, another another game one that went into overtime, and another one I think is going to be going to be a tight battle, and that's the uh, Carolina Hurricanes versus the the New York Rangers over there in the in the East. Uh, you know, like I said, game one, Hurricanes took it took it, you know, two to one in overtime, and I, if you like defense, this this was the game. I mean, it, it was. One nothing early on Rangers, and then for 50 minutes there wasn't another goal scored by either team uh, until Carolina finally, you know, woke up and 
finally got one to go in there to, to tie it up and then obviously went to overtime and got one to got one to drop there in, in overtime. So I think it's going to be a, a tough battle, a tough series. It's going to, you know, I, I think is going to go game seven, you know, in this in this one. I've been pretty high on the on the Rangers throughout, you know, throughout the season. I like the Rangers in this one. I think it's going to be a close, close, close battle between them and the Hurricanes. But, uh, you know, game one was very interesting, you know, if you like if you like defense in hockey. So we'll see what, uh, you know, they, they play game two tomorrow, tomorrow night over on uh, ESPN at 8 o'clock Eastern time. So, fellas, what, what are your thoughts on the, on that series? Yeah, for me, looking at this one, Carolina, they got here beating Boston 4-3, to and New York got here beating Pittsburgh 4-3. to New York actually came back from a 3-1 deficit in that series mm-hmm. to take it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, Carolina won game one, two to one. And in the regular season, Carolina was three and one against New York. I think, though, as good as both these teams are defensively, they have the, the two best uh, goal stoppers in the league. They finished one and two, respectively, in the All league. Right. Um, but I think this comes down to the offensive side of the puck since both both teams are so comparable on the defensive okay, side. Okay. Carolina, in that respect, has the edge on offense. They scored 27 more goals on offense this season than New York. All right. I think Carolina takes the series. Well, yeah. So we'll uh, move over then to the to the other side of, of things. We'll move over to the to the West. Um, we're you know game one, and it, it we you know if you like defense, you watch that Carolina Hurricanes and and New York Rangers game, but you like offense. Oh. You go over to this game one between Calgary and, and Edmonton and game one, the flames win nine to six. Wow. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, wow. Wowzers is yeah. Nothing, you know, crazy of that, but uh, you know, game one. And, and it, it's interesting because we talked about in that, in that first round series with Calgary that because I, they've been kind of a dark horse for me to potentially, you know, win the Stanley cup, but you know, in their first round series, it seemed like they just couldn't, uh, you know, couldn't put couldn't couldn't put the puck in the goal. Mm-hmm. They only scored 15 goals in seven games in their in their first round series, and they come out game one and score nine. They you know more than half of them in, in this game one than what they scored in the previous series. So, gonna gonna be interesting. I I think this one really is gonna come down to who can score the most goals, who can who can you know put it in the net the most. And we know, I, I think for Edmonton, can they play enough defense? We I I think what we know we're gonna get offense from them, but can they play enough defense to yep. to pull some out? Yeah, I, I took a look at this. Uh, so I'll give you kind of a level set here on how we got here. Calgary got here beating Dallas four to three uh, in the first round. Edmonton got here beating LA four games to three, and like Colton said, Calgary won game one nine to six. That is a whole lot of offense. These two teams split their regular season series two games apiece. They played once in the preseason, which Edmonton actually won. Uh, But I think Calgary has the edge in this series due to the defense. Uh, On the season, Calgary gave up 206 goals. Edmonton gave up almost 50 more, uh, giving up 251 goals. Mm -hmm. I I think that's a huge discrepancy there on the defensive side. And Mm -hmm. we all know defense is what what wins when you get here to the playoffs. Right. I I think that just gives Calgary a huge edge in this series. Yeah, absolutely. Kayla, what's your thoughts on on this Calgary-Edmonton series? Uh, well, you know, actually, when I was doing my research, I didn't realize there how much uh, history there was between them. It's actually, you know, the Battle of Alberta back in 1980 goes all the yeah. way back to that date. Um, mm-hmm. But I still think, you know, Calgary is probably the solid favorite here because of defense. Um, but I definitely think they'll be able to get it on offense as well, as long as they can, you know, slow down uh, Connor McDavid, who comes into this averaging four goals and ten assists. So I think if they can slow him down, I think the Calgary will uh, will end up pulling this series off. Yeah, yeah, and it was. Uh... 
it was exciting. I mean, uh, Calgary scored two goals in 51 seconds. Uh, so it, it got started hot and, and quick and, and, uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a wonder that, uh, you know, Edmonton didn't get absolutely obliterated in this one because, uh, Calgary actually, uh, outshot Edmonton 48 to 28 in, wow. in the shots, but Edmonton made them count. I mean, only 28 shot attempts. They, they made them, made them pay for it. So, but, uh, yeah, gonna, gonna be some, some fireworks in this series, I, you know, uh, at, at least from game one, that gives us, you know, the intentions here. But uh, game two uh, going to be Friday night at, at 1030 p.m. Eastern time over on ESPN. So tune in for, for that one and uh, we'll, we'll see how these how these series play out and see who our remaining four teams are going to be uh, left uh, going into the, the conference finals and heading into the, the Stanley Cup finals. So we are going to move into our, our last topic here and moving on over to the hardwoods we're going to talk about the nba playoffs um and then we're down to we are down to four teams here in the eastern and western conference so we're going to start start over on the on the east side and, and the two teams that uh you know over there that the miami heat and the boston celtics uh game two later later tonight on the, on the tube so you'll want to want to tune in for that but uh you know game one the heat took 118 to 107 What's your, what's your thoughts on this, you know, series or at least game one, how, how it played out? I, I think it's clear what the Celtics are missing. They're missing, you know, Marcus Smart on the defensive side. They, you know, they ended up, you know, having that hot start in the first and second quarter. But, man, uh, Jimmy Butler got going in that third quarter. And, you know, you don't have a guy like Marcus Smart that's willing to, you know, step up and defend anybody. Uh, it really puts you in a kind of – with your back against the wall a little bit there. And, then, you know, with also without Al Horford. And, you know, fortunately enough for the Celtics, too, that, you know, Robert Williams came back, who, you know, ended up having 18 points. But, man, they're going to need Marcus Smart to get healthy real quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like like you said, Jimmy Butler went, went off in that game, 41 points, uh, and just kind of a do-it-all. every You know, 41 points, nine rebounds, five assists, four steals, three blocks. Like, the guy was just doing it all for, for the Heat. And, it, it really the difference in in this one was the third quarter. Yeah, the dreaded third it, quarter. You know, the third quarter, the you know, the Celtics first two quarters looked, you know, looked like they had the game in hand and you know looked in control and then the third quarter and and it, it was, you know, a, a two opposites. The Celtics couldn't make a single thing and the Heat couldn't miss anything. Uh, I, I believe I read a stat Jimmy Butler single-handedly outscored the Celtics in that in that third period. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, we they the Heat started with that third quarter on a 22 to two run. So they, they, they came out, I don't know what Eric Spolstra said or what they did at halftime, what adjustments they made, but whatever it did, it, it worked. They, they, they responded and, and responded in a, in a big way. But uh, yeah, I think the Celtics being down a couple of their, their key starters and Marcus Smart and Al Horford, I think uh, is going to be going to, they're going to need them to, to really have a chance in this, in this series and, and Marcus Smart more for, for his defense, but uh, Al Horford, I think to more just kind of, stretch the floor. I mean, he's a guy that can, can shoot it from, from the outside and just kind of gives you a, a different weapon on that, on that offensive side of the ball that, you know, it, it doesn't allow the heat to kind of pack the paint and, and um, you know, kind of stretches, stretches the defense a little bit if, if Orford's able to play. And the things I'm reading that the Celtics have said that he is going to be available for game game two. So that's, that's positive. He was, he was COVID protocol. Yeah, right? and I, it, I believe he did just pass a COVID. I think he still has yeah. to pass or before it's, it's a sure thing right and then i think uh but as far as marcus smart I, I think that's still kind of up in the air not not really sure if he's going to be available for game two so it'd be interesting to see how how the 
Celtics kind of changed their defensive game plan. Obviously, they got to limit limit Jimmy Jimmy buckets. So um, we'll we'll see. But Matt, what, what do you think? Yeah, and I'm just gonna go ahead and level set here since it's been a little while since we've uh, talked about the NBA here. Miami got here. They eliminated Atlanta in the first round, four games to one. In the second round, they took out an injury depleted Philadelphia 76ers four to two. Mm-hmm. Boston got here by eliminating Brooklyn, sweeping them four games to zero, which I don't think many people saw coming. Mm-hmm. And then probably one of the more entertaining series I've seen in a long time. Four, uh, beating Milwaukee four games to three, and yeah. just, that was a tightly contested back and forth series. Yeah, two great teams just going um, at it. And like you said, Miami won this first game one eighteen to one oh seven. But like uh, you guys have both alluded to, the injury bugs hitting kind of both of these teams mm-hmm. at the wrong mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Boston was out with, without their defensive player of the year, Marcus Smart, big man Al Horford. But Miami was also without Kyle Lowry, who's right. a, a very good guard for them as well. Right. I think, though, as long as Smart can return and, and be effective, you know, I, I don't want him to return and, and not play like he's played all year. Mm-hmm. But if he can return and, and play with his defensive player of the year form, mm-hmm. I, I still think the Celtics have a great shot to win this series. Yeah. I think that is, I think Smart can really limit Jimmy Butler. And, mm-hmm. and that right there was single-handedly the reason Miami took game mm-hmm. one. So right. I, I think that'll be huge if Smart can and come I, back. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and I think if you're the Heat, I think if you're the Heat too, you know, Gabe Vincent, you know, came came in and you know done a fine job. You know, he had 17 last night, but man, like you like you said, uh, Matt, I think the Celtics are still in line to you know win this series or still mm-hmm. potentially win this series. But I think if you're the Heat, you gotta get something out of Victor Oladipo. You know, you <laughs> gotta get some sort of production. Five, five points, two or nine is just is is not gonna cut it. This Celtics team is too good. For Old Depot to only have five points, and it's gonna, it's gonna, he's gonna need to step up big time here in this series. Yeah, you, I think you at this can't point, expect Gabe Vincent to get you seventeen again. Right. Yeah, I think at this point, yeah, if you're the Heat, you gotta hope that you know somebody else, you know, outside of Jimmy Butler is gonna be able to to step up and 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 you know fill the gap. You know, I just don't. I mean, Jimmy is very good. He's a very talented guy, and and you know what, you know, star player or whatever, but I just don't know that he's going to be able to sustain scoring 40 points every every game in this series. When so. he proved that clear back when he was in Chicago, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he could get him to the playoffs, right. but he just he, – he, one guy can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, and, and I mean, uh, as everybody knows on this panel and, and whatnot, I've been high on the Celtics uh, for this whole second half of the NBA season, and I'm still, still riding with them. Obviously, game one didn't quite go the way they wanted it, but I still think that that team is super, super talented. And, and – you know, Matt, you talked about it, and I think in our previous show about how the Heat can just be kind of streaky at yeah. times, where they look like they're the team that's going to go out there and, and dominate and win, you know, an NBA championship. But then there's times they come out there and they can't make a single shot, yeah. and, and they look like a team that shouldn't even be in the playoffs. So yeah, I think the, the the Celtics, you know, obviously they're playing at Miami. You know, I think that they have to try to at least steal this game too tonight to to you know give themselves a chance going back to Boston, but. Uh, Still, still high on the Celtics. I think that they'll they'll be okay. Um, you know, I like them to to advance, but you know, still going to be a, a tough series here in the East. Yeah, you know, we we talk about Jimmy Butler not being able to do it on his own. I think that's a great segue into the second series we're going to talk about with Golden State and Dallas Mavericks. You know, Luka Doncic he can't do it all himself either. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll tell you what, the, I think uh, Dallas really has a, a road to toe here. And mm-hmm. I'll let you two talk a little bit about it, and I'll kind of jump in at the on the back end here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, like like Matt said, uh, game game one, yeah, it was absolutely pitiful for for the Mavericks. Uh, Warriors take take it one twelve to eighty seven in a, in a game that was probably 
never really all that all that competitive from from the jump. Um, you know, the, the the Warriors had a had a game plan and had a defensive game plan for Doncic. Uh, Andrew Wiggins drew you know the short end of the stick and and you know but but did a heck of a job at, at limited. Uh, you know, Luca only twenty points, shot six of eighteen from the field. And, you know, you say 20 points, but the guy was averaging almost 32 so far through the playoffs. So well below his average so far in the playoffs and has been just electric for this Mavericks team. But, you know, outside of outside of Luka, I mean, nobody really played played well. I mean, they shot 36 percent from the field, shot 23 percent from three point line. That's just not you're not going to win you too many ball games. And, and, and so. You know, I think, uh, yeah, the Dallas Mavericks definitely have some soul searching to do. They got to get some production out of out of some of their other guys and, and find ways to, you know, get get Luca open and get him some some good looks. But, uh, you know, Golden State is just a tough, a tough animal. They 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 throw bodies at you left and right. Just, you know, it, it's it's, it's going to be tough for the Mavericks. It's kind of frustrating too. Like if you're if you're a Warriors fan or if you're just a basketball fan in general, you know you go back to that series against Memphis and you know Golden State just doesn't. You know they're turning the ball over, they're sloppy, but like in a, in a snap of a finger, this team can just somehow turn it on and it, it make it so hard like this year that you know kind of guess which team is going to show up. And you know, like I said, they they didn't look you know all the greatest. They didn't really take care of the ball against Memphis, but you know game one they come out and it's like. That's not the same team that you just saw the last round. You know, you know, Clay's getting going, Steph's getting going, and mm-hmm. you know, Wiggins is you know, guard, you know, Dean up, uh, Luca and holding him to just twenty points. And if you're a Mavs fan, it's like it's kind of scary if Spencer Dinwiddie's your second leading scorer on the, on the on the team coming off the bench. Right, absolutely. And you know, you just talk about the weapons that the Warriors can throw at you. They had seven different players that scored in double figures, you know, in game one. So there's a lot of guys that can do a lot of different things, a lot of utility type guys that can, you know, you ask them to do something, they're they're willing to, to take it on and, and go go the distance. But uh yeah, gonna be a nice, you know, an uphill battle, I think, for for the Mavericks moving forward. Uh, Matt, what what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, again, I'll kind of go ahead and level set the series for you here. Golden State got here beating Denver four to one in the first round, then they knocked off Memphis four to two there in the second round. Where Dallas has had, had a tougher road to get here, they they knocked off Utah four to two in their first round, then Phoenix a, a ginormous seven game series against the top seed Phoenix Suns, they beat them four to three, mm-hmm. and uh, but I feel like Dallas is starting to kind of run on fumes now. Mm-hmm. You know, they they had that awesome game seven against the Suns where they couldn't miss anything, and they put a lot into that game, win one twenty three to ninety, right. and I, I just think mentally, emotionally, physically. They, they've spent a lot just to get here, and mm-hmm. I, I think it kind of showed in this game one, right. losing one twelve to eighty seven. Yeah, they they definitely got to get their feet back under them. They gotta gotta kind of get their minds right if they want to have any chance. But I I think just being able to play defense and the the Golden State has the plan to just they're gonna focus on Luca and they don't care about anybody else. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're gonna make the rest of the Mavs beat them. I I don't think the Mavs have enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. I think this will be a short series. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be be interesting. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, yeah, gotta get gotta get Luca going somehow. Get him, you know, scoring opportunities. But uh, yeah, if it, if the series goes the way it went in Game One, it's it, it could be a potential sweep here in in in, in this Western Conference Finals. But uh, Game two of that one's going to be over, um, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow night, nine o'clock over on TNT. So we'll see if the Mavericks, you know, make some adjustments, see if they can, you know, to turn it around here. But, uh, you know, Golden State looks like a hot team ready to head back to the finals. Caleb? I got I got one question for you, Colton, with you being, you know, the Mavs fan. 
you know, our whole lives here. Do you think they need to make a move this offseason to bring in another star player? Because I don't think even with Tim Hardaway being healthy at some point, I don't think he'll be able to, you know, be that piece next year, you know, to potentially get him over this hump and into the finals. Do you think they got to make a make a move this offseason? Yeah, I don't know. It's gonna. It's definitely gonna be interesting because obviously, you know, the Mavericks went the Kristaps Porzingis route. You thought, okay, you know, they got a one-two, you know, kind of dynamic all-star duo there, but it really didn't work out. It didn't right. pan out, and, and it seems like, you know, with these kind of guards or you know, kind of this this plethora of, of role players, it actually has helped Luca out more than when he was playing with with an all-star. So definitely going to be going to be interesting. I mean, they definitely have some off-season moves that are going to be, you know, tough. Jalen Brunson's a free agent this this uh this summer and obviously is probably going to want big money based on how well he's played throughout the playoffs, but just how well he's been as kind of uh Luca's one-two punch at the at the guard position. So going to be interesting I think even internally uh, of what they do or how they how they kind of manage it, but uh you know, I, I think you have to pair the right piece with Luca. Like I said, I, you know, the 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 Kristaps Porzingis experiment didn't didn't work. He wasn't able to really pair well with with uh, Luca. So if you bring in another superstar, another another all star for for this Dallas Mavericks team, it's got to be somebody that that kind of complements Luca's game or you know really matches up well, or or it could be you know a short stint for whoever they they bring in. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think Luca's kind of, a lot kind of like James Harden was mm-hmm. in his prime. You know. It, He's an offensive guard that has to have the ball in his hands to do what he does best. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I, I think they are, they are better with the role players. They just got to find a more consistent role player, mm-hmm. somebody who can give you, you know, 15 to 20 a night. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not necessarily a superstar, but if you can find that consistent role player who can do that for you, I, I, I think, you know, the ceiling is still very high for the Mavs. Right, absolutely. And, and I think at the same yeah. time, this this team is super, super young and, and super inexperienced when it comes to playoffs. I mean, the Mavericks just won, you know, beating the Jazz in the first round. That was their first first round, or that was their first playoff series win since 2011. So they, they haven't been in the playoffs here as of recently and just haven't had a lot of success even when they do make the playoffs. So, you know, just a, a young team that's really trying to trying to find their own. And, and, and in a Western Conference, it's always tough to navigate. So, you know, I think that they just, you know, got to, get some experience under their, under their feet. And like you said, find kind of the right guys that, that fit the system that, that Jason Kidd's trying to build there in Dallas. Yeah, I think one guy that you could potentially target this offseason too, that I think would be a good compliment to Luke would be Brian Bradley Beal away from Washington. I think they would complement each other pretty well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Bradley Builder, Bradley Beal, definitely kind of a, a spot up shooter. So not a guy that may, maybe has to have the ball in his hands a lot to, to score. So We'll see. We'll see what happens, but uh, yeah, we'll, these both these series going to be going to be interesting. So we'll, we're looking forward to them and see which two teams advance to play for play for the NBA Finals championship. So, well, that's all we got for for tonight. Uh, that's that's our episode. Uh, we appreciate you listening to uh, Fired Up with your hosts Colton Cow, Matt Cordes. We hope you enjoyed our episode this week. Uh, you know, if you want to hear other topics um, or, 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 you know, for future episodes or, you know, just got a big burning sports question that you want to hear us talk about, you know, we, there's a lot going on in sports, always something going on in sports. And we try to hit every topic we possibly can, but there's always something that, that we miss. So we'd uh, appreciate, you know, some, some fan feedback or, you know, some opportunities for fans to send in some questions. Um, you can do that by reaching out to us on our, on our Instagram. Our handle is at uh, fired up. Uh, underscore podcast or you can find us over on facebook at uh, fired up comma sports podcast so we'd love to hear from our from our fans and you know hear what what you guys think about some of the topics we're talking about or you know, topics for future episodes and uh 
As always, you can head over to our uh, website at firedup1.podbean.com. You know where you can find all of our past episodes and a little bit of uh, information about about the show. Um, and, and as always, we're on pretty much every podcast platform you can think of, Apple, Google, Spotify, Pandora. So anywhere where there's, there's podcasts to listen to, you can find our show. So appreciate you listening. And as always, stay, stay fired, fired up. up.